Good evening, channel partners, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Joe Penitary, content czar for ChannelE2E.com. Thanks for joining us Tuesday nights at 9.01 p.m. Eastern and sometimes in between. Now, on to podcast episode 48, my conversation with SignalFX co-founder and CTO, Philip Liu. We discuss his previous role building monitoring systems for Facebook. Then we dive into his current focus on next generation cloud monitoring and exactly what that means. Phil, nice to talk to you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Hey, Joe, Grace, it's great, great to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, you know, for our listeners who are not familiar with Signal FX, could you tell us a little bit about the, the company and your role there? Uh, yes. Uh, SignalFX is a monitoring as a service uh, company. Uh, basically, uh, we're, um, our goal is to help um, developers, uh, operations, uh, and IT individuals to monitor uh, modern applications. And what we mean by modern applications uh, are basically uh, uh, distributed applications which has been built uh, within the last decade or so uh, to have like, sort of characteristics uh, that are um, uh, that there are multiple instances for every for service, and most likely they're run on uh, infrastructure as a service platforms, uh, such as uh, Amazon EC2. Uh, and uh, there are typically a lot of uh, instances uh, for each one of the services, and then um, uh, many services interconnect to form an application. Uh, and so, like for example, SignalFX itself um, uh, is built uh, using such a, a, an architecture. So, like some people like to call it microservices architecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, SignalFX itself, uh, the application comprises of like, seventeen or eighteen services, uh, and then there are hundreds of instances that um, uh, that, that host these services across many different uh, AWS availability zones. Uh, and then, like when one of the components is to go wrong um, uh, with the service, it's basically hard to detect uh, what's pro- uh, 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 what the downstream effect is and whether it's even significant or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so signal effects basically uh, uh, take in metrics for each one of the individual services uh, and then compute statistics uh, um, uh, and analytics um, that basically help you understand that one outage uh, in your basically uh, in, in your hundreds and potentially thousands of instances that comprise your application, whether they have any significance and if so, what the significance are. Fantastic. Okay. Now, to rewind a little bit, I believe you previously worked at Facebook. Now, what was your role there? And and did it sort of set the table for for what you're doing now in your career? Yeah. uh, uh, Actually, uh, it it goes beyond Facebook. Uh, So a little bit more about my background. Um, So prior to, uh, I'll talk about Facebook a little bit toward the end, but before Facebook, I was uh, uh, one of the first engineers hired into a company called LoudCloud back in 1999. Oh, sure. I remembered LoudCloud, uh, LoudCloud, excuse me. Uh, was that Opsware? Yeah, LoudCloud uh, uh, basically was formed in 99 by uh, Andreessen, uh, uh, Ben Horowitz, uh, Insigri, Tim Howes uh, out of Netscape. And then their idea basically was what, roughly equivalent to what uh, Amazon AWS is today, uh, mm-hmm. about 15 years ago. Um, and um, uh, so, um, you know, at, during the early days, uh, we built a, uh, a service and primarily actually I worked on a service with, a, with my co-founder, uh, Karthik, uh, at the time. Um, uh, it's called MyLoudCloud. And that turned out that was basically a monitoring service, um, uh, uh, somewhat similar to what we do, the same, same set of problems we're solving for our customers now, but 15, 15 years ago. Um, and um, 
uh, in, that's sort of my, how my co-founder and I met, uh, and uh, uh, and throughout that, uh, LoudCloud, um, uh, you know, was very successful early on, and then they sort of went through this whole dot-com bubble thing, and then transitioned into Opsware software company. Sure. Um, and then uh, Opsware um, uh, is you know uh, had a, a very successful outcome you know, when it was, it was acquired by Hewlett Packard back in 2007, and it was actually a um, uh, a monitoring and configuration, primary configuration system um, uh, for the data center. So I've, I've been in this space for a long time, uh, prior to even Facebook. Uh, and then uh, I joined Facebook after the acquisition of, um, uh, of Opsware by Hewlett Packard. Um, and then at Facebook, I worked in the infrastructure team, uh, and then where I, I helped build and many of the uh, services around configuration and monitoring of the Facebook uh, infrastructure, both physically as the physical infrastructure as well as the uh, logical application infrastructure. Mm. Um, when I uh, joined Facebook back in uh, 2000, early 2008, uh, uh, we were uh, basically at roughly uh, 70, uh, Facebook's roughly 70 million active users. You know, the number of servers uh, was in, in, in the uh, uh, ten, uh, low tens of thousands. <clears throat> and uh, even at the time, uh, the, uh, the systems that we were using to monitor the Facebook infrastructure um, uh, was falling apart. And I, I, you know, we were using Nagios at the time. These are very common, popular, uh, existing open source uh, systems that many people still use today. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, they, they they were falling over at the time, uh, and then we you know we we you know one of the things we decided to do was instead of using this pull based type of model, you know, because there are so many instances, uh, it's hard to keep the configuration of the pull based model up to date, uh, and also the, all the alerts which were being generated um, was was basically uh, swarming a lot of operations people, you know, at any point in time, uh, roughly five percent of the Facebook fleet is down. Um, so uh, imagine a number of uh, of alerts that that we get which are false positives. Uh, uh, just out of that scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we ended up building a, um, a service which was uh, data-driven that, that we, uh, every uh, machine would uh, emit uh, uh, metrics uh, measuring um, uh, the, the, both the physical as well as the, um, the logical compute resources on the box, things like you know, CPU utilization, memory utilization, network, uh, and disk utilizations, uh, into a centralized uh, uh, database uh, where we then provide an interface for uh, – initially for operations people to look at um, what was happening um, uh, with the, um, uh, the infrastructure right, mm-hmm. uh, environment. Uh, and this basically grew over time to uh, include uh, not only the infrastructure metrics, but also applications metrics, uh, because the, the developers wanted to not only look at, uh, you know, this, as soon as the, infra, uh, the operations people saw, developers also saw it, and they, they saw the usefulness of uh, correlating application-level metrics against uh, infrastructure-level metrics to actually know uh, what effect the, the change they made with the application may be causing underlying infrastructure. So, um, uh, and then over, uh, over the years, uh, uh, this service became uh, one of the most popular uh, uh, services uh, used within Facebook engineering, uh, um, and then, as a matter of fact, one of the de facto required services uh, in order to replace or deploy a service within the Facebook infrastructure. Mm, yeah, and so a lot of the learnings from this such a system led us to start SignalFX, and and so here we are. <laughs> well, congratulations on the quote unquote "here we are" because it's been quite a journey. You know, I'm very familiar with the Opsware journey back in the uh, you know all the way up to HP, and then your Facebook journey is quite impressive. So here you are now with SignalFX, and, and it's interesting because. 
you did mention some of the learnings there, and I can see how they're starting to apply or do apply to the SignalFX business model. You know, as, as I was researching the company, it sounds like you see at least three clear scenarios. There's probably more, but at least three clear scenarios where you can really help customers out. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe they're monitoring for operations is number one. Monitoring for developers is another, and then perhaps a third one is is monitoring for operational excellence. Now, are those the three key areas right now that you're helping customers with? And if so, could you define them a little bit more for us? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, let's start with the monitoring for operations first. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so when we actually initially started out um, the business, um, uh, our focus is primarily uh, centered around sort of this DevOps type model. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, and this is more where uh, in a, in a sort of internally uh, signal effects operate this way, uh, where uh, developers uh, are responsible not only for the implementation of, of a particular feature for the business, but also uh, Operating and running that feature, and then this sort of primarily came about because uh, infrastructure as a service, you know, uh, matured uh, in the last five years or so, and then to become something that uh, developer can just depend on uh, with an API call with a with a CLI rather than a human on the other side of this. So. So um, we initially started our business operating and optimizing uh, the service for developers. And then soon we found out that um, um, there are the existing industry uh, not. 100% of people are actually in this uh, DevOps type of model, actually, uh, particularly around like uh, existing enterprises. They're sort of in this transition mode where developers are taking more ownership of operating, but the operations uh, are still responsible for running and, and looking at what is happening um, uh, with the physical infrastructure. Uh, and so not everyone are using AWS or, or not everyone um, have a team that uh, where the developers are responsible to, to, to keep an eye on the underlying VMs that they're using AWS. Yep. So, so we discovered that real, relatively quickly. And then uh, well, we found that for that group of people, they still, the operations people, uh, they still think in terms of um, uh, containers, they think in terms of virtual machines, uh, and, then, uh, and then their ability into, uh, and then basically their role is that how are the VMs uh, working, how many VMs do I have in, in the environment, am I deploying enough VMs uh, for the uh, application that's running on top of me, am I deploying enough containers for the application that's running on top of me. So for that uh, type of uh, a use case for that group of people, we basically uh, provided out of the, a lot of out out of the box functionality that um, uh, that you know just drop an agent or turn on integration with AWS uh, onto your VM, uh, drop an agent onto your VM or turn on AWS integration, uh, and um, uh, and automatically and seamlessly, um, uh, SignalFX will provide you um, uh, analytics on how your individual um, a VM or container is doing, like the, some of the same metric I talked about earlier uh, on the infrastructure side. And in addition to that, we also um, uh, uh, out of the box show you um, uh, analytics on how your fleet of uh, VMs and, and containers are doing. And then you can then slice across uh, any dimensions to basically narrow down what it means to be a fleet of VMs. For example, you could say, well, what is the CPU utilization of all my um, uh, C3 uh, uh, X-Large uh, in Amazon AWS East Availability Zone 1. So you could do, you could quickly then slice and look at uh, aggregates about how those machines are doing, or you could say that how are, how are all of my VMs that's hosting service A, uh, how are they doing, right, in terms of CPU, in terms of memory. So 
that um, uh, set of functionality, which are out of the box, you know, um, uh, in the analytics, which are out of the box, pre-built, um, uh, uh, we designed that for just for these operational type of use cases. But they're useful for de developers too, but primarily um, they're more of an infrastructure and operational use case. Okay. All right. uh, and, and then what about developers? Where does that conversation begin? Yeah, so um, there are a couple of things. So in addition to sort of the, this operational type of out-of-the-box um, uh, uh, experience that we give you, now developers typically what they do is they, um, they will instrument their application, right? Um, uh, or um, uh, in developers basically uh, in sort of this modern development environment, they not only build applications themselves, they depend on a lot of open source third-party services. So things like Cassandra, um, uh, Nginx, uh, MongoDB uh, are some of the examples that uh, uh, Memcache, right? There's some example of things that uh, they use and depend upon. Uh, and for those uh, uh, third-party services, uh, we actually, again, provide out-of-the-box analytics to tell you actually how it's behaving, how is your um, uh, Cassandra cluster behaving. So is it um, is the storage utilization um, uh, 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 doing the right thing? Is it doing too much uh, tombstone collections mm -hmm. uh, and so forth? Um, and uh, so that level of analytics is provided out of the box to help developers know how their dependencies are doing. Uh, in addition, developers will instrument their own code to basically um, uh, emit metrics measuring uh, 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 important business uh, as well as uh, design uh, or architectural level type of metrics. Things like um, if you have an application that is queuing up requests down to downstream uh, services, you want to know what the size of that queue is over time. Right. And then if the queue is really large, you know, is there a correlation of, of, uh, of why that queue is large? You know, is it because other applications which are running on the same machine that's taking up CPUs? Uh, or is it because that um, uh, a connection downstream uh, is taking longer than a shift, so therefore you're queuing up more of the requests coming in on your end, right? So, so these are a set of use cases that um, uh, um, uh, uh, we allow developers uh, um, to uh, uh, to get an insight into what's happening uh, with their uh, environment. Understood. So, yeah. so, and then what about operational excellence? Because I'm wondering if you help help uh, customers there develop a baseline in terms of their performance, and then and then improve against it and, and achieve quote-unquote excellence what what exactly do you mean monitoring for operational excellence well so part of that is um uh we have a few things so part part is this sort of the, the service um uh these pre-built service mm -hmm. we've got service dashboards and analytics that we have out of the box and so then we essentially um uh we capture um what um uh what the industry uh, uh think of as the best uh, uh some of the common things that you should look for like um in in, uh, in managing and monitoring let's say mongodb right for example right. there's a blog somebody wrote out there that, that lists five key metrics that you pay attention to and then why those metrics are important. And then we have that out of the box as part of our, um, our pre-built integration with the MongoDB. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's definitely one aspect of it. And the other aspect of it is it's just the, uh, uh, the, the virtue of the fact that uh, uh, signal effects is able to um, uh, capture high-frequency data. Um, we then will allow you to um, uh, know, quickly act on what is happening within your environment based on um, uh, the metrics that you send. Uh, 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 so instead of waiting hours, uh, you know, using logs um, uh, or traditional type of approaches, um, you could basically, you can now get at the, the key, narrow down what the key problem is in a much shorter amount of time than you can before. Uh, so for example, if you were doing a code push into your, into your environment um, using signal effects, um, uh, you 
if if your code is causing problem with downstream services, uh, you could quickly narrow down what service is um, uh, is impacted uh, by your your code push. Um, so this itself uh, is sort of operational excellence. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas before, prior to a system like uh, having a system like SignalFX, you have to dig through logs, you have to log into individual hosts, uh, and then for complicated problems, which are uh, uh, sort of uh, percentile degradations across a service. Um, uh, that doesn't happen across every single instance of your service. That's really difficult to find. Then you have, basically have to um, uh, uh, dump logs um, across many different instances and aggregate and index them. Uh, that would just take uh, a, a, a much longer time to find out what the core issue was. Whereas now you could basically get at the core uh, issue you know, within uh, minutes and seconds. Excellent. Thank you for the explanation. So, you know, just in terms of where we are as a market, we're about two weeks past the Amazon Web Services reInvent conference. And during that event, I heard from quite a few managed service providers and MSPs and and other types of service providers that are now offering different types of what I'd call support services or monitoring services for AWS. Do you see an opportunity, and and has it started yet, for SignalFX to work with those service providers that want to uh, take care of customer workloads up in Amazon's cloud? Uh, yeah, so so primarily our our customers right now are uh, are businesses that have web presence. You know that, that definitely includes large uh, web properties uh, as well as enterprises that have um, uh, web presence mm-hmm. uh, and departments in, within enterprise that have web presence. So that's our, our primary customer set. But we have uh, begun. Uh, 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 we have been talking with uh, many uh, service providers, both infrastructure as a service uh, type of provider, as well as uh, um, platform as a service type of providers. If you sort of think about it, a lot of the use cases I talked about earlier are things that that's common for um, every single um, um, uh, every single app that will be hosted by these type of uh, MSPs, sure. uh, and um, and they will have to provide uh, such a solution. So they either have to build themselves, in which they're probably discovering that is a relatively hard thing to do, um, uh, or they will have to partner uh, with a company like us. And then we, we're starting to see uh, some of that happening right now. Fantastic. Well, keep us posted on that. Um, you know, I also want to want our listeners to to more fully understand the types of monitoring uh, you're able to offer. And, and sometimes the media, myself included, will we'll write about cloud monitoring or application monitoring, but we really don't get down into the details and the differences. For instance, can you draw uh, a picture for us? What are the differences and the types of monitoring you're doing? I think you're doing application performance monitoring, logging, and metrics-based monitoring. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and, and are there differences there? Yeah, um, so the way people think about these things are actually, um, when you sort of boil it down to the IP, is, uh, is quite different. And in the, in, in the type of problems that you solve with each one of these uh, systems are somewhat different. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, let's sort of uh, start with application performance monitoring. So with APM, basically, their focus is around you know, the performance of the individual application instance. Um, and then uh, what I mean by that is that so you have an application that's running on a, a server somewhere, uh, and basically APM providers will uh, drop an agent on that same server, and then will automatically uh, uh, give you insight, you know, particularly into the stack, and then narrow down uh, what is happening with the app relative to the request that's going to the app. They'll give you a nice introspection of things. So you, uh, this uh, obviate the need for developers uh, to instrument code themselves. Um, and then at the expense of like sometimes in a low team percentage of CPU, right? So mm-hmm. you pay for that um, uh, as well as the you know, per, uh, per instance cost uh, of licensing of the software itself, APM software itself. Sure. So 
But now they'll give you a nice insight into a particular instance, but they don't tell you the entire picture of how your service is doing. So if your service is running across multiple instances, uh, it becomes somewhat difficult um, to um, to discern what one does. Does one instance the behavior of one instance uh, um, reflect the behavior of the entire service? Typically, it doesn't. Um, um, so, uh, uh, so it is it, it, sort of concentrated on just this one particular instance. That that's most of the way uh, when you say APM, that's what people do. Yep. Um, and then uh, on the logging side, um, uh, and logging is basically you know uh, it was funny. I, I want to sort of quote this. Maybe uh, uh, this might have come from Adrian Cockcroft uh, in in the past that. Um, uh, uh, he basically his quote was that uh, Netflix is the biggest um, uh, log generator. Uh, it, it also happens to be a, a, a video distributor. Um, so um, to, to that effect, uh, and and, uh, and then so logging basically you know takes up definitely a lot of network bandwidth, and then um, uh, and it, it does a good job on uh, you know. Uh, giving you information about your business, how it's operating. And sometimes people do, uh, and actually one of the big things is uh, people use logging for just to dig through the, the type of exceptions that's being thrown off by the application, right? So they do a count of exceptions and when the exceptions happen. So that's one of the most common use cases of logging. Um, uh, and then like there are other things um, that you could use for historical trending uh, through logs and business analytics. I think that um, that's also something that people use log for. But rarely today do people use logging for a live uh, uh, um, uh, uh, monitoring of the uh, running service. It's more mostly in a, a post-mortem analysis a stage where they actually dig through the logs. Uh, and then this then takes us sort of to a metrics-based monitoring, which um, signal effects itself is primarily a, uh, a massively parallel um, metrics-based time series analysis service. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and that's sort of where uh, signal effects uh, stands. And we believe that the reason why that's uh, important uh, is because uh, metrics packets themselves are much a light, lot light, lighter than uh, logs, log lines, uh, and, uh, and you could basically generate uh, more of them uh, at a higher frequency. And since their sort of time series are somewhat normalized, um, we could basically quickly perform analysis uh, on that data. Uh, and then because of this, because the timeliness of the data and the volume of data you can examine in a short amount of time, we can then use that for uh, uh, active monitoring of how your things is actually how your how your service is behaving basically in production. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the, some of the key differentiation. So, for example, uh, with um, signal effects, you could do uh, um, uh, you can find out and uh, you can find out live what is the CPU utilization of your hundreds of instances um, uh, at a, any given point in time, right? Right. right. So, whereas APM will give you an example of maybe one or two of those or some subset of those instances. And a logging will take um, uh, uh, probably uh, tens of minutes uh, at best to give you that answer. Right? Okay. So I think that's, that's sort of the key difference. Okay. All right. Great. So I'm crystal clear now. So, so in terms of your approach, it sounds like you're seeing a shift to real-time monitoring. Uh, you know, A, am I correct there? And then B, does that mean historical data, data analytics? Is, is that no longer important? Um, so, uh, real-time monitoring, it, you know, has always been, uh, important, but just recently has become more of a, a topic at hand, I think, uh, mostly because I think data systems like such as signal effects has reached a point where we can analyze large volume of data in real time, mm -hmm. uh, because, uh, and then, uh, analytics is still important because, uh, uh, large volume of data, uh, uh 
to be able to examine that, you have to perform analytics, particularly in our case, statistical analytics on the data that's flowing in. Uh, otherwise, it's very, very difficult to sift through um, uh, just the pure volume of a, in a short amount of time. Um, and so um, some things I mentioned earlier, um, uh, you know, for real-time monitoring, you, because you're applying analytics to it, you can now do things like, well, is my... Um, uh, by the way, so real-time monitoring usually compared with uh, historical growth is actually also very important. So one of the key indicators, like for example, with service that uh, with us, you know, we actually track the data points per second uh, as one of the key metric into our uh, signal effects service. Uh, and then if we see a large growth rate, like for example, hour over uh, uh, minimum over minute, hour over hour, hour uh, growth, um, if if it, if it sort of spikes on us. Uh, in a short amount of time, we actually have an alert that tells us, hey, you know, um, uh, did you just turn on a customer? Uh, did a customer stop uh, sending data for some reason or something wrong with uh, with our service? So that's one of the leading indicators that we use uh, to see what's happening with the service. Um, so that's like one use case of this. Uh, and so it's, so, so it's real-time monitoring uh, in a sense that's real-time monitoring using analytics. Uh, and uh, and that's, that's what's important. Fantastic. Now, so, so, Phil, thank you so far for explaining sort of the, the history of, of where you've been and, and sort of the market focus. But tell me a little bit about where you're going. So the final question is, what are some of SignalFX's remaining priorities for 2015? Yeah, so um, I think some of the things that uh, you're seeing out there, uh, we you know, recently just released, um, uh, there's some more, this very much operation infrastructure focused uh, monitoring. Um, uh, and then you, you, uh, I think that remaining of the year, you'll see more of that coming from us. Uh, you see that. Um, uh, uh, the more, there's, there'll be more out-of-the-box type of integrations, primarily around uh, both of the, uh, the popular services on, on AWS as well as popular services that's being used in open source c- uh, communities. Um, uh, and then, uh, and then and generally speaking, you know, um, you know, even beyond 2015, you're going to see that signal effects of service. And that the goal of us, you know, the goal of all these uh, things that we're doing is to reduce the amount of time to problem detection and problem resolution. Mm-hmm. So uh, in general, that you'll see our service... Uh, 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 improve uh, along those uh, feature dimensions. Well, fantastic. You know, we'll keep our eyes open for those enhancements and we'll be sure to stay in touch. Thank you so much for taking some time with us today. I appreciate it, Phil. Uh, thank you for having me. That's all the time we have for this week's podcast. Tune in Tuesday at 9.01 p.m. Eastern for future podcasts. And for sponsorship information, please visit channeleda.com slash advertise. I'm Joe Panateri, signing off for channel e to e dot com. Mm-hmm.